Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Tongues of Fire podcast. I'm your host, Danny Paz, and today I actually want to do something interesting. I want to issue forth a challenge to not only to you, but thing that I have spoken about before. Um, but I really think that that there's something about this that needs to be heard, as especially in in the way things are today and the modern world where there's so much division there's so much hate across across just across the board for everything and anything right and the thought that i want to present today to start this off is i want to present the self-destructiveness of grace that's been tainted with ignorance right what does that mean i'm meaning that grace that is given from god because that is the truest form of grace. I think that there, there is a, such a power in the grace that God has given us through Jesus Christ. But that same grace, with with this this ignorance, this not knowing more, not knowing better, not knowing deeper, can be just as self destructive as not knowing about the grace at all. And what do I mean by this? I mean that. If we have received this grace of Jesus Christ and we don't aspire to do more, we don't aspire to go deeper, we don't aspire to be better, and we just kind of accept it and and go on with our lives because, oh, Jesus will forgive me, oh, Jesus covers me, oh, I've already been forgiven, this, that, and the other. I think that that is just as, if not more destructive as never hearing the gospel at all. Right, because what are you, do- what are you doing with that? You're taking the, the blood of Jesus that was given for us, that that was shed for us every last drop and you're just uh, using it as the same way that that a five-year-old would use paint just splattering it everywhere and instead of using it as the covering and the mantle that it's supposed to be it's supposed to be the instrument for complete transformation not just this excuse that you use every time you want to sin that oh jesus will forgive me jesus will cover me and what brought me to this is is this scripture that I read in Jeremiah 11, uh, starting in verse 3, where it says that you must tell them this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says, let a curse be on the man who does not obey the words of this covenant, which I commanded of your ancestors when I brought them out of the land of Egypt, out of the iron furnace. I declared, obey me and do everything that I command you, and you will be my people and I will be your God. And then jumping down to verse 14 of Jeremiah 11, as for you, do not pray for these people. Do not raise up a cry or a prayer on their behalf, for I will not be listening when they call out to me at the time of their disaster. Now, you know, what does this have to do with with grace? What does this have to do with with the modern day? What does this have to do with, you know, ignorance, right? And I actually had gotten this, this message while I was on a mission trip in Africa a little bit ago and I was tasked with giving a devotion and, and you know during my time over there meeting the team getting to know them and you know really having to to meditate on on what I really wanted to say what did the Lord want to speak to the team right and lo and behold as God would have it I was the last person to give a devotion before we left Africa. There was one more after me, but that was when we were halfway on our flight back. That, that one was given. So in while we were still, while our feet were still on the ground over there, I was the last person to give a devotion. And I think there's such a power in that with what the Lord gave to me to speak. And I think that this is something that, that 
can't stay with that team. It ha- I think this is something that not just the church in America, but just kind of the modern church needs to hear. Um, but it, I, it comes from a place of, of noticing how easy it is to get to get lazy in a walk with God, how easy it is to, to do something, to do something, you know, big, and then just kind of slack and lax after that because, you know, oh, I just did this, so I get to be on cooldown. Oh, I just did this, so I get to relax for a little bit. You know, oh, I just did this, this big thing, so I get to kick back for a little bit. And I don't know when the, our walk with God transformed into this, into this, okay, I did something for you so I can, you know, chill out for a little bit. I don't know when we got to that place because we're always nagging God. We're always constantly asking for things of God. And, you know, can you imagine if God were to spit that back in our faces where he's like, oh, no, I just did this thing for you. So now let me relax. And then bringing that back to grace. Can you imagine? Because grace, the grace of Jesus Christ is the biggest thing that I think humanity has ever received besides creation. Right. And can you imagine if we were asking these things for God and God just said, oh, no, I gave you grace and eternal life. You know, I'm just I just get to chill now. Right? I don't think we could. It, it is a thought that would be completely justified because he is righteous in all his ways. And the forgiveness of humanity is far beyond anything that we could ever deserve. It would be completely justified for him to give us grace and then never give us a single thing after that. But no, we've gotten to a place where our Christian walks have become so self-centered and grace has become so self-centered that we cannot fathom the thought of God not answering another prayer in our lives. We would fall apart if God didn't answer another prayer even though He doesn't owe us anything. We become we come to this place where we think that God owes us the world that He already gave us. He already gave us the world. And we still want more. And wh- where does this come from? This comes from the, the ignorance of, of what grace truly is and what it means. Right, because salvation is not just for me or you. It is not. It is not a a selfish thing. It is a selfless thing. To be saved is to become a servant of the world. To be saved is to become a servant of God. Right, the lowest of the low. That is what it is to become saved. Because if salvation was just for you or if salvation was just for me, then we would have got to taken up the second that we got saved. But why are we still here after we get saved? We're still here after we get saved to make sure that everyone else on this planet can get saved. That everyone else on the planet can hear the name of Jesus Christ and this glorious gospel. Right? Anyway, and what does this have to do with the scripture that I read? Well, uh, let me tell you. Right? As we see here, the Lord is furious with Israel for breaking covenant. Right? And, you know, this is this is the age-old tale of the Old Testament where Israel is in covenant, breaks covenant. God judges them and then there's reconciliation and round and round they go all across the New Testament, I mean the Old Testament, until God decides to be silent for 400 years until the coming of Jesus Christ because that is what breaks the cycle and not only establishes a new covenant, but it expands that new covenant to the rest of the world and not just God's chosen people. Right? That is that is the age-old tale of the Old Covenant. But... What's interesting about this is that God never changes. God stays the same. The, the God of the Old Testament is still the God of the New Testament until the modern day. He never changed. There was no transition in those 400 years of silence. He did not change his personality. as Even though many people may think that, many people may think that, that God softened after the, you know, the, the death of Jesus Christ, but that's just not true. What's, true. what's true and what's real is that the medium in which God sees us is different. 
because of the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus acts as a veil, it acts as a, as, as a lens between God and us, right? Because the Lord made a new covenant with us through Jesus Christ, which was paid in blood, right? And that blood is what allows us to continue living today under grace, right? And we read the Old Testament, and I, I can't count the amount of times that we've slandered the Israelites, being like, oh, how could they be so dumb? Oh, how could they mess up again? Oh, how could they betray them? Oh, how could Moses do that? And, and they just decide to, to go idol worship again, and all these things that we're always talking about. But that's just in reality, that's just kind of what we're doing when we're living in grace, without enlightenment, in, in grace tainted with ignorance. Right? Because that is what the Israelites had. They They were... It wasn't just grace with ignorance. It was it was encounter tainted with ignorance. It was it was miracles, signs and wonders that were tainted with ignorance, and they were tainted with with greed and desire and, and selfishness, right? And it says here in this passage that um, it says that that I brought them out of the land of Egypt, out of the iron furnace, and I declared, "Obey me and do everything that I command you, and you will be my people, and I will be your God," right? Like God. This is just an illustration of what Jesus does for us, right? That that He brings us out of out of that place of, of slavery to the world, out of that place of slavery to sin, out of that place of slavery to, you know, all those things that you're you're chained and addicted to, and He brings us out of that. He breaks us free out of this place of of emptiness and in constant longing, but and establishes a new covenant for, with us and for us. But what we fail to recognize is that a covenant is, is a two-way street. It is a partnership. It is it, it goes both ways. It is not a one-sided deal, right? Jesus puts something on the table. We also have to put something on the table. Otherwise, it's not a covenant. And I think we forget that we have a part in this too. But he says it plainly right here. Obey me and do everything that I command you and you will be my people and I will be your God. Because this is what's established in the covenant that's talking about that is talking about here. Right, you know, the moment that we give our lives to Christ, they're no longer ours. That's what God is asking for us from this covenant. Why? Because we need to save, we need to be available for the Lord to use us to save everyone else on this planet. Right? Because everybody needs to hear the gospel. Everyone needs to hear this message. Right? And we just we have to follow His commands. Now, what are these commands? If you if you don't know, I'm just gonna refresh your memory. the The greatest command of all is to love God above all else. Right? The second command is to love your neighbor as yourself. And the third command is to go preach the gospel, tell the world about Jesus Christ, preach to every living creature, and have miracle signs and wonders follow in your wake. Right? These are the commands that Jesus has given us. And I think the first command is it's one of it's a it's this almost like a logic trap where if you follow that first command, everything else just kind of follows falls neatly behind it. Right, because if you love God enough to want to honor His gift to you, which is grace, right, which is what we're talking about, then you would want to live better because you are knowledgeable of the character of God, and that, and that sin hurts Him, and that sin is something that He didn't create us for, right? And if you're knowledgeable of that, and you go forth wanting to honor God because you love Him above all else, then you're going to live better. You're going to change your life. You're going to get your life right. And if you love God above all else, then you know that you hating His creation, you know, hating one another, that that hurts Him because He doesn't want to see His house divided against itself, right? So you, what are you going to do? You're going to love one another in, in a supernatural way, 
right? That doesn't necessarily mean that you have to like everybody because there are just people that you don't like. But to go forth to those same people with, with the supernatural love of God, and that I think that's the most powerful thing here, right? And just to put it into perspective, right? Because we cannot have grace just to ourselves. We can't have grace. We can't gate, gatekeep grace, right? And it says here that those that have broken the covenant, that no amount of intercession could save them. In verse 14, As for you, do not pray for these people who do not raise up a cry or a prayer on their behalf, for I will not be listening when they call out to me at the time of their disaster. Right? That these people that that have no idea the things that they've done, that have no idea what they've done with God's creation, that if nobody tells them, if they're not under a covenant, if they're not reestablished into the covenant, that no amount of intercession can can save them no no amount of prayer can take them out of hell right and uh oh man and the only difference between them and us is that when we're established in the covenant with jesus christ that jesus becomes our intercessor at the right hand of the father that's the only intercession that matters that's the only intercession that can save us from the pit because jesus covers us not just with his blood but with with pleading he he covers us with prayer Right? Because humanity just as a whole is deserving of God's wrath. As a whole, it's we're all set, sentenced and subjugated to the wrath of God because of the disobedience. Right? Even as a Christian, you you still fall into sin because that's just the human nature. Right? And every time that we break the covenant, every time that we that we just fall out of that covering, we're all deserving of punishment. We're all deserving of hell, right? The only difference is that we have an advocate that says otherwise, right? But if we're so deserving of wrath, how much more are those people that have never heard the gospel and don't have that covering? It's just sin stacking on top of sin to a, in a measurably high place. Then that's all that's in God's sight, not, not his son, not his son beaten and bloodied on the cross. It's just the sin that they keep stacking up on top of themselves, right? Because they're not covered the way that we are. And when you put it into that perspective that God just sees the the mistakes and 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 the and the disobedience of the people that aren't covered then i think that that should drive us to want to go tell them about jesus to get them covered to get them cleansed to get them clean right because if it's just mistake on top of mistake that's the way that we see ourselves but that's not the way that god sees us and i think that the I, I think that we need to understand that we need to move, right? We need to move in a, in a way that that is selfless, that is truly selfless. Not not just a front, not just a, an image and eh, this picture that you paint of yourself. Because that, that's not going to work. A picture is not going to save anyone. Uh, that's this image that you put up of yourself is not going to... It's not going to matter. It's not going to make a difference. Because in the end, it even says in Revelation that people will walk up to the king and say, did we not cast out demons and pray for people in your name? And he will say, away from me, for I never knew you. Right? And it's one thing to, to serve God with your words, but it's another thing to truly be a part of this covenant that he's given us, to truly understand the weight of the grace that he's given us. And if we don't understand the weight of grace, then 
I don't know what we're doing with our Christian lives. I don't know. I don't know what God you're serving that that wants just you to be saved. Because if you're living a life that is just salvation just for you, then I think you've come to a place where you're your own God. Because you think you're the only one that's deserving of salvation. Right? And this is something that I came to realize in my time over there that we spend so much time focusing on everywhere else. We spend so much time focusing on, especially here in America, that we we spend a lot of time focusing on places that are less fortunate than us, that places that are struggling, right? That's what we always say. That's that's the tagline that we're always putting on it. And in reality, if you don't know Jesus, if you don't have that covering over your life, then I don't think there's a a worse fortunate person ever because you sure you may be living good here on earth but as soon as you pass on that's eternal suffering forever and i don't think there's anything worse than that i think that a homeless person with the blood of jesus covering their life is just abundantly more than the richest man on earth with no connection to the father because there's no amount of, of anything on this planet can save you besides the blood of Jesus, right? And what dawned on me as I was over there was, you know, just how, how ready we were to, to rest when we got back home, how ready we were to to just chillax when we got back home and, and you know, go on a hiatus for a little bit. And, you know, I the, something with that just didn't sit right with me because there's this this quote-unquote zone that we think that we have to get into to preach the gospel and it, it kind of activates whenever we go on a mission trip or we go on an evangelism event it's like this this mindset that you get into that it's like oh right now i'm going to go preach the gospel right now i'm going to go tell tell people about jesus that that is what i'm doing right now that's the mission right now i i think that should be the mindset always i think that that should constantly be the state that we're in where we're always you know, from the second we wake up and get out the door of our houses in the morning, it should always be, right now I'm going to go preach the gospel. Right now I'm doing this thing. That shouldn't just be reserved for mission trip. That shouldn't just be reserved for evangelism events. That shouldn't just be reserved for, you know, that should be all the time. That should be always. Why? Because Jesus did not command us to go preach the gospel only on a mission trip. Jesus did not command us to go preach the gospel only on an evangelism event. No, he said to go tell the world about him. And all those th- and all signs and wonders will follow in your wake. And I think that if we can't grasp if we can't grasp that everywhere is a mission field from from the supermarket to your home street to some people even your houses your own homes are a mission field. And I think if we can't grasp that, then we've truly lost the value and meaning of grace. And we've truly lost this, the weight of this gift that God has given us and we're just taking it for granted. right? Because some people take it for granted for themselves, but I think that there's something deeper than that. I think that we can take it for granted for everyone else. right? If you live in grace and you continue to sin in your own, you know, your own life, that's that's one thing but for you to live in grace and have it only for yourself i think that's something else i think that's something deeper because that's just it's just selfish and and it it is it is putting forth this acceptance of a mediocre christian life it is accepting mediocrity 
And God doesn't call any of us to be mediocre. He calls all of us to, to be soul winners. He calls all of us to go out and change the world for the sake of the gospel. And that's the challenge that I want to issue to you today is to get a deeper, a full understanding of what grace actually is. Because yes, grace is forgiveness. It's forgiveness that surpasses all understanding. And that is true. And I believe that 100%. But grace is not forgiveness just for the sake of being forgiven. Because if it was, we'd be in heaven already the second that we accept Jesus. And when you really think about it, if grace was just for the individual, then I there would be nobody to tell anybody about Jesus. Right? Grace is for everyone else. And I think that the truest endeavor of the Christian life is to find that out for yourself, that you are forgiven for everyone else. You are not forgiven just so you can be forgiven. Because if that were the case, then he would have taken us up the second we accepted Jesus so we didn't have the opportunity to sin anymore. But no, it's, it's so that you can be in this constant state of trying to reach everybody else, to plead with everybody else, because those are also God's children. Those are also God's creation. Those are also people that He created to be on this planet with you. And for you to not tell them about their father that's calling them home, it's just an injustice to the blood of Jesus Christ. It's, it's slandering to, to the sacrifice on the cross. So in a word, I think my closing thought would be to just reevaluate the mindset that you approach grace. Reevaluate what you're really living for as a Christian. Getting closer to God is, is always amazing and and wanting to go deeper with God is is great and it's it's absolutely necessary. That's part of the first command that Jesus gives us to love God above all else. And I, I believe that that is absolutely essential to walk with God. But deeper than that, if we really loved God above all else, we would follow his command to reach the world even if it's just one, one is worth it, right? Maybe you're only called to reach one person a day. That's worth it, even if it's not a whole crowd of millions of people. All of heaven rejoices for one soul. So that's the challenge, just to understand grace and understand it's not just for you, and then to go forth and act on it, because that's what Jesus calls us to do. And with that, I've been Danny Paz, host of the Tongues of Fire podcast, blessing you as you go, Jesus be with you, and I will catch you in the next episode.